Good morning. Welcome to Crestview Inspiration, a ministry of encouragement from Crestview Baptist Church in Canton, North Carolina. We want to share with you sweet songs of worship and an uplifting word from the scriptures. While you listen, may the spirit of grace flow from heaven into your heart and home, right where you are. Welcome to worship. We want to pour our hearts out to Jesus today with you wherever you are. This song is going to be sung by Jordan Page. Join us as we praise our God. Here 
Hey everyone, this is Pastor Mark Page. Today we have the opportunity to rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. And the next song we want to share with you is called Only by the Cross. And it's a song I wrote. 6-8 Worship recorded the next song at Sky Studios, WNC in Asheville. Thank you for tuning in today. I was searching for an answer, looking for a sign, finding only dead end roads time after time. I was stumbling in the darkness, searching for a light, when mercy came and found me in the night. It's only by the cross. It's always by the blood That His mercy overwhelms me like a flood It's where I found true peace It's where my death met life Oh, and there I find that all I need is Christ Oh, it's only by
Hello, friend. I'm going to be in the 11th chapter of Daniel today. I appreciate the worship music from our musicians, and I pray you've already been touched by the Lord. This prophetic passage of chapter 11 before us has a somewhat lengthy explanation. So let's open our Bibles, and if you're possible, uh, can, and let's dig into this prophecy. The Bible says in Daniel 11.1, 1, Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will tell you the truth. Behold, three more kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth will be far richer than them all. By his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Greece. Then a mighty king shall arise, who shall rule with great dominion and do according to his will. And when he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken up and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not among his posterity, nor according to his dominion with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be uprooted, even for others besides these." Here's the main idea. Spiritual warfare mirrors the earthly warfare for the kingdom. The title of this lesson today is The Warfare for the Kingdom. I want you to notice that we're picking up the text that the angel is speaking to Daniel. The angel has previously told Daniel that he had been dispatched with Daniel's answer to prayer, but had been delayed by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. In other words, there are three truths concerning spiritual warfare and how it mirrors the earthly warfare. And I want to talk today about these three truths that what is revealed by the spiritual warfare are truths that equip us to do battle for the kingdom. The first truth is there's a close connection between the seen and unseen world. So this angel that's speaking to Daniel comes and assures him that he's been fighting a battle, but he's come to explain the meaning of the vision, and he's going to outline what's going to happen in the future. So what what we see in verse 1, the angel speaking, and he said that no one upholds me against these, the other angelic forces except Michael, your prince, which is also an archangel. Also in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. This angel took a brief break from the angelic battlefield to come and give Daniel the answer to his prayer for understanding. And in in the verses prior, verses 20 and 21, and here in verse 1, we have been given a glimpse into this unseen world. And I would suggest that there's a close connection between the seen and the unseen world. And that's truth number one. We have to understand this, how the seen world that we're looking at is connected to the unseen world. This pulls back the veil to spiritual warfare. My friend, the spiritual war is real. Reality as we see it only represents a portion of of true reality. There are multiple dimensions of reality. In fact, Bible teacher and scientist Chuck Missler has indicated that there are 10 dimensions of reality, but only four are knowable. What do we know from this passage? We know that there's another dimension of reality where the angelic warriors from God are fighting with the demonic spirits of Satan. That is the unseen reality. It is important also to note that the angel had been sent to help King Darius, the same king 
whom you may remember, uh, threw Daniel in the lion's den after being deceived and then pulled him out of the den the next day after God's divine deliverance. And the king offered praise to the God of heaven. This is the Darius that the angel came to strengthen and that the archangel Michael also had been sent to help Daniel's angel in the battle. In the way of application, the apostle Paul reminds us of the unseen reality and the need for endurance in our personal battles we face. He writes, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We must remain aware of the unseen reality of the spiritual world and the close connection between what is seen and what is unseen. The things which we see are temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal. In fact, faith is the evidence of things not seen. Even though we can't see the spiritual world, we can have a heart of faith that is aware of it through the Word of God and the Spirit of God. May we have eyes to see the unseen reality and a heart of purity to fight the spiritual battle with the supernatural enabling of God's Holy Spirit. The second truth is there's a fierce spiritual warfare surrounding God's purposes. The truth of the spiritual battle surrounding God's purposes can clearly be seen in this passage. After the 70-year exile, the first wave of returning exiles into Jerusalem and Israel sought to rebuild the worship of God and restore the nation of Israel. So this appears to be the occasion for the spiritual warfare here in verse 1, the restoration of the believing remnant of Israel to the Holy Land. Why would this warfare in the heavenlies break out over the restoration of Israel? The people of God simply wanted to obey the commands of God and restore worship in the holy city. It's fairly clear that spiritual warfare always has to do with Jesus Christ, the Messiah. God's purposes in Christ will face opposition as the kingdom of Christ advances in this world. This is what Gleason Archer Jr. says concerning this. Quote, knowing that such a development could lead to the ultimate appearance of the Messiah, Satan and his hosts were determined to thwart the renewal of Israel and the deliverance of her people from destruction. The supreme effort to exterminate them altogether was to take place some 55 years later in the reign of Ahasuerus, also known as Xerxes, when Haman secured his consent to obliterate the entire Jewish race. You can see that in the book of Esther. The conflict between Michael and the prince of Persia may have had some bearing on this event, and Michael's victory may have paved the way for Queen Esther to thwart this genocide. The second major effort of Satan was to take place under Antiochus Epiphanes, which we're going to see later in this chapter, who sought to obliterate the Jewish faith by forbidding its practice on pain of death. The momentous events in the years 167 to 164 BC may well have been profoundly affected by this supernatural warfare between heaven and hell, and he's referring to the Maccabean revolt. Paul reminds us that we the body of Christ, are also in the spiritual battle. Ephesians says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, 
and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having circled your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having put on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Beloved, when God moves in the affairs of men, then something happens in the heavenlies. And as God was moving to restore his nation, Israel, to prepare for the Messiah, the devil attempted to stop the purposes of God. But I'm so glad that all things work together for the good of those who are the called according to his purpose. When you set your heart to obey God, then don't be surprised by the reciprocal backlash that will occur in your life. Face the spiritual battle with the spiritual weapons of warfare that God has given us. These spiritual weapons are faith, Christ's imputed righteousness, the truth of the gospel, the sword of God's word, and, and the heart of obedience and prayer. And watch what God will do. We got to remember in this revelation that there's a fierce spiritual war going on right now, especially surrounding God's purposes in Christ. And the third truth from this text is there's a revelation about the Persian and Greek empires. Here in these three verses, we begin to sequence the kingdoms that are going to lead up eventually to the kingdom of the Antichrist. What is clear from this prophecy is that the Persian Empire will be ruled by four successive kings. And the fourth king, Xerxes, who invaded Greece and reigned from 485 B.C. to 464 B.C., was the most powerful and richest of them all. The three kings prior to him were Cyrus' son, Cambyses, who ruled from 529 to 523, then an imposter, Guamata, who ruled from 523 to 522, who killed the heir and took the throne, and then Darius the Persian, who ruled 522 to 485, and that was Xerxes' father. Xerxes uh, eventually lost his navy in battle to the Greeks at the Battle of Salamis in 480 BC, and the Greek empire began to rise as the Persians weakened. Eventually, the Persian armies were defeated by the Greeks, most notably the great Greek conqueror that we know as Alexander the Great. The final overthrow of the Persian Empire was at the Battle of Galgamela. The Battle of Galgamela, also called the Battle of Arbela, was October the 1st, 331 B.C. It was a battle in which Alexander the Great completed his conquest of Darius III's Persian Empire. It was an extraordinary victory achieved against a numerically superior army on ground that was chosen by the Persians. Alexander's rapid conquest of the empire went all the way to India, fulfilling the prophecy of verse 3. He is the mighty king who shall rule and do according to his will. But just as quickly as he rises, he falls. As history tells us, he died in 323 B.C. in Babylon after drinking heavily at a party and was also likely poisoned by one of his closest allies. And then his vast kingdom was divided among four of his generals, fulfilling what verse 4 says, that, quote, his kingdom shall be broken up 
and divided toward the four winds. The four smaller and weaker Greek kingdoms, as, as, as we shall see, were called in history the Diadochi. Ptolemy took Egypt with Palestine, Calicia, and Cyprus. Cassander took Macedonia and Greece. Lysimachus took Asia Minor. And Seleucus took the rest of Asia all the way from the Middle East to India. As we will see the conflict between these four kingdoms in the next verses, we will track through the amazing accuracy of this prophecy worked out in history. All these events were foretold by the prophecy given to Daniel. As we continue to study through this chapter, we find there's a pattern of prediction and fulfillment, and it drives us to one single conclusion. God's word is absolutely true and trustworthy. What God has predicted is going to happen, and what God has said concerning us in the future and the earth is going to happen. There are two specific lessons we can pull from this passage. First, there exists an invisible heavenly kingdom where a war is raging. That is why Jesus spoke of his kingdom being not of this world. In other words, Christ's kingdom uh, does not belong to this world. That's why he said concerning us, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. Here in the 11th chapter of Daniel, we are faced with this revelation and that an unseen reality exists with an epic struggle going on there. The angel who came to help Daniel was fighting with the demons that are assigned to the earthly kingdoms. So as we trace the kingdoms that will rise and fall in the future, we must realize that the kingdoms of this world are under satanic influence and control. The kingdoms of this world will ultimately give way to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We see it in Revelation 19. Jesus Christ, who's coming back to take his inheritance. The entrance of this eternal kingdom of Christ was first announced by John the Baptist. And Christ himself announced his kingdom when he taught and ministered. The Gospel of John records Jesus when he was arrested, saying, Jesus answered, saying, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. We can catch a glimpse of the battle for the kingdom of Christ. With the birth of the Messiah in 4 BC when Christ was born, we see in the scriptures that first attack on him by the satanic control over King Herod, who in a jealous rage massacred all the two-year-old male babies and younger in Bethlehem, trying to kill the baby Jesus before he grew up and took Herod's kingdom, which Herod feared. Then we see the direct encounter of Jesus with Satan in Matthew 4 in the desert when Satan tempted Christ. He even promised Jesus the kingdoms of this world, apparently over which Satan has a certain dominion. What we can say definitively is there's a direct connection of the kingdoms of this world with the invisible rulers in the heavenlies and Satan himself. And that ultimately Christ, though victorious at Calvary over Satan, will come again one day back to earth to consummate 
his victory and take full possession of his earthly kingdom and rule for a thousand years from Jerusalem. I want to share this story that illustrates this truth. In her book, Evidence Not Seen, A Woman's Miraculous Faith in the Jungles of World War II, Darlene Rose tells of her experiences following the Japanese invasion of the island of New Guinea during World War II. When the Japanese invaded the island, her husband was dragged away. She never saw him again. And she was left with another woman in a rat-infested house on the outskirts of the jungle. Japanese troops were everywhere, and so were ruthless bandits. One night, her rest was disturbed what she thought were rats. She heard them moving around in the living room, in the dining room, and along the halls. She tried to ignore them, but when she heard a book fall to the floor, that did it. Margaret, she called to her fellow worker, grab your dressing gown, and we will light the lamps and have another go at the rats. I've been hearing them from one end of the house to the other. A hall ran the full length of the house. When she opened the bedroom door in the dim light of a nightlight, she saw someone swish past her. Stepping into the hall for a better look, she found herself face to face with a bogus bandit. He was wearing a black sarong that he flung over his shoulder to free his machete. With one fluid movement, the knife he was carrying uh, was extracted from his belt and held up in an attack position. On impulse, Darlene rushed at him, and the man inexplicably turned and ran down the hall, through the bathroom, across the porch, and into the trees with Darlene on his heels. Other bandits appeared, and together they fled. Darlene stopped dead in her tracks and whispered, Lord, what a stupid thing for me to do. And instantly, a Bible verse flashed into her mind. The angel of the Lord encamps around them that fear him and delivers them. From that night on, Darlene slept with a club at the foot of her bed, but she never had to use it. The bandits returned several nights later, but never entered the house. She was not disturbed again. She suspected their gardener was among the bandits, and after the war, she asked him about it. Yes, he had been one of the culprits. Darlene later wrote, When I asked him why he had never entered the house again, he answered incredibly, Because of those people you had there, those people in white who stood around the house. The Lord had put his angels around us. He had delivered us. Friend, I'm so glad today that we have a Savior who's seated in the seat of victory in heaven and has his angelic forces available to his children night and day on earth who struggle against the satanic forces of evil, dispatching his angels to do his work on earth. And I'm glad that one day he will come again in the clouds and set his feet on the Mount of Olives facing Jerusalem when he returns to claim his earthly inheritance. Praise his name. Let's humble ourselves today and set our hearts on fighting this invisible battle against the forces of evil, walking in the victory of the blood of Jesus and the empty tomb. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, may we see the unseen and may we fight the unseen battle with the weapons of warfare you've given us and may we rise victorious, the body of Christ, the church of the risen Savior, to do your will on earth. Strengthen all those listening, I pray, in the power and the blood of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Friend, walk in victory today and through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
And until next time, God bless you. Thank you for listening to Crestview Inspiration. May this ministry touch your heart, encourage you, and strengthen you. And may the Lord bless you in your spiritual walk this week. So on behalf of the Crestview family, we invite you back next week, Friday at 10 a.m. on WPTL as we spread the good news of Jesus.